Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Lord, help us to see how rich we truly are, both in material possessions and in the blessings you shower upon us each day. May we who are rich learn to share what we have with others. Help us to find abundance in our willingness to give so that we may begin to live a life that is truly never ending. Amen. Today's scripture comes from Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants too. Because God is the one who established it on the seas, God set it firmly on the waters. Who can ascend the Lord's mountain? Who can stand in his holy sanctuary? Only the one with clean hands and a pure heart. The one who hasn't made false promises. The one who hasn't sworn dishonestly. That kind of person receives blessings from the Lord and righteousness from the God who saves. And that's how things are with the generation that seeks him, that seeks the face of, God's, of Jacob's God. Mighty gates lift up your heads. Ancient doors rise up so the glorious king can enter. Who is this glorious king? The Lord, strong and powerful. The Lord, powerful in battle. Mighty gates lift up your heads. Ancient doors rise up high, so the glorious king can enter. Who is this glorious king? The Lord of heavenly forces. He is the glorious king. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So um, every community has their liturgical vocabulary. It's how they celebrate the joys and mourn the losses. And I'm happy to preside at this moment over our liturgical community by saying, go Astros. Yeah. <laughs> um, it has nothing to do with stewardship, but it's a good thing. Uh, so, so making a difference. We're beginning our stewardship campaign here at Chapelwood. And if I learned anything in growing up in a Methodist church, I remember that when the pastor up front says stewardship, you grab onto your wallet. Right? I mean, like stewardship is like, oh, okay, we're going to spend four weeks. The pastor's going to spiritually couch everything that has to do with giving money. And, and we're going to be asked for more money, right? I'll make a promise with you. Next four weeks, if you feel like my sermons are just about your wallet, then I haven't done my job. I really do believe that stewardship is not just what we do with our pennies and our dollars, but stewardship is how we live our whole lives, how we think about our purpose. And so here's the challenge, right? If I don't make that case by the end of the four weeks, tell me, because I haven't done what we set out to do. When we think about stewardship, I think about that phrase, take care, right? We say this, it's one of those verbal tics, take care. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but I have a few verbal tics that come and go in the midst of my preaching. Uh, I remember when I first got here six years ago, I, for about three months, I had the verbal tick of right. I'd be in the middle of a sermon and after every sentence, I'd say right, right? And I'd make a point and read scripture and go, right? Now that was um, followed by the verbal tick of um. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um. Sometimes I put them together, right? Um, maybe? So take care, I can remember for a couple of months was kind of that verbal tick that I had. It was something that you ended every phone call with, you ended every conversation with. It was just easier to say, take care. 
So you'd find yourself dropping your kid off for school. Take care. You know, you'd be leaving the staff meeting. Take care, right? I mean, all these strange things. Leave for a business trip for a week. Take care to the family, right? Um, finish visiting somebody who's um, on hospice or in the hospital. Take care. What, what does this mean? Take care. I think when we say the words take care, uh, we're, we're trying to communicate not just a, a nice, simple see ya, but take care of yourself. Why? Take care of yourself because, because you're an important part of my life. Take care of that important part of my life. Stewardship, I think, can be boiled down to a, a sense that God has about us that he would like for us to take care take care of the world around us, the relationships that we have, and yes, the dollars that we have, but to take care of that world that we inhabit in, that we would handle with care this precious cargo. So whose stuff is this, right? So stewardship, um, stewardship is about taking care of the master's stuff. It's easy for us to think that all that we have is ours, right? Um, it, it, it's easy, there goes that tick again. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have all three verbal ticks before the day's over. Um, <laughs> See, and then you get paralyzed, because you're like, whose stuff is it? Stewardship is the understanding that it's not our stuff at all, that we've been entrusted with the stuff, that the master has elevated us, given us responsibility for these things, and that we are accountable for what we have. One of my favorite jokes that illustrates this idea of whose stuff is it is, uh, you know, all of these uh, wonderful scientists get together and they challenge God to a competition. They say, we have learned how to make stuff out of dirt, just like you. And so we want to have a competition. We'll, we'll have our dirt and you have your dirt and we'll get together and we'll televise it and we'll make stuff and you'll make stuff and we'll see who's better at making stuff out of dirt. It, it works. Go with me. And so the time comes and they televise the competition and the world scientists get together and they're on one side of the stadium and God's on the other side of the stadium and they're all ready to make stuff out of dirt. And right before they start, God says, wait, 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 wait a minute. I made my dirt, you have to make yours first. Uh, it really is all God's. It really is all God's. And we've been entrusted with a little bit of it, a little bit to work and to care and to make a difference in our world. What is a steward? Well, biblically speaking, a steward would have been a slave. Now, in biblical times, there were two kinds of slavery. Uh, there was punitive slavery and there was economic slavery. Uh, oftentimes what we talk about in terms of civil rights and Annabelle in the South was far more of a punitive slavery than the economic slavery that we see in the biblical world. Uh, um, in, in those uh, economic slavery circumstances, and John Wesley talks about this later on um, in his context. He says that most people who were in prison were in prison because of their debts. They were unable to pay them. Um, sometimes when I see my credit card statement, I think, huh, maybe I will be there too. Um, a steward is, is a slave, someone who is responsible uh, for the, the uh, affairs of the estate. Now, it's very cool after a while in the biblical world that as your estate got bigger, you got a fancier steward to take care of it. And actually the whole work of stewardship was um, kind of a prized set of skills and art that could really bring value. But remember, the steward's value is tied to the master's value. The steward owns none of it. 
The steward has been elected or raised up by the master. And so as the master's value and power uh, continues to grow, so too does the steward's. But the steward has no rights uh, to the stuff, can only be accountable and responsible for the stuff, and is responsible to appreciate, to use a financial use of that word, the stuff. One example of a steward is Joseph. Uh, Genesis chapter 39, we hear about Joseph. Now, some of you are thinking, who in the world is Joseph? Let me help you. (laughs) You've heard of the Broadway musical Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat? That's this Joseph. Okay, early service laughed harder, but that's all right. I can keep going. And so Joseph, um, Joseph was the youngest of um, a number of brothers, and, uh, and he was the favorite of his father, and, and not really understanding how sibling rivalry worked, um, Joseph did a really good job of rubbing it in his brother's faces that he was the favorite. His brothers didn't like it. Um, his, his father loved it, and so his father gave him um, a, a, a coat of many colors. And you'd think that Joseph would kind of get the idea because his brothers were bigger and, and stronger than him, but he continued to rub it in their faces about the coat, I got the coat. <laughs> and so after a while, Joseph's brother said, we're done with him. What we'll do is we'll stage like he was killed by an, uh, um, a wild animal, we'll rip up the coat, we'll splatter animal blood on it, we'll bury it at the bottom of the pit, and we will sell him off into slavery. I just want to say to siblings in the room, it sounds like a good idea, but there's consequences. Don't go there. And so slave traders came and bought Joseph and took him off to Egypt. Now, while he was in Egypt, he became uh, the steward of Potiphar's house. Now, Potiphar was considered a general uh, in Pharaoh's army. He was responsible for palace guard and for uh, the troops. You could say that um, Joseph had landed squarely as the steward of the, uh, I don't know, chief, um, uh, uh, chief of army staffs, uh, you know, something like a, a military general. And so scripture says that uh, in Genesis chapter 39, that Potiphar thought highly of Joseph and Joseph became his assistant. And he appointed Joseph head of his household and put everything he had under Joseph's supervision. So your heart hurts when a baby cries, right? Okay, me too. Like, you know, working on wiping the tear away here. Um, So what's interesting about this particular scripture passage is that Potiphar put Joseph in charge of everything in his household except his wife. Now, we we can talk about who's head of the household or some other time. But it's helpful to know that because things got really good for Joseph until Potiphar's wife felt challenged. And so she kind of, um, kind of looped him into a manipulation where he got accused of doing horrible things and he was immediately thrown off to prison. Remember we said that um, a steward is not the master, a steward has no power. The steward is only responsible and accountable for the things that the master gives. And so when uh, Potiphar uh, questioned Uh, uh, Joseph's ability to serve, he immediately went to prison. Now, Joseph was really good at the steward thing. Uh, He was stewarded three times uh, for Potiphar. We just talked about that. And then he ended up in prison. Well, guess what? After a little while, uh, the prison warden saw how wonderful and organized Joseph was, and he became the steward for the prison warden. And then if you do really good things, it's kind of like, you know, you're a good Methodist pastor. You do really good things, somebody notices, right? And so Pharaoh notices, and Pharaoh chooses Joseph as his own steward. 
So imagine this, right? Joseph is a slave. He's a foreigner. He's sold by his brothers because they don't like the favoritism. And he lands not on just both feet, but he lands responsible for a majority of the kingdom for a world power, Egypt, at the time. I made a joke earlier that, um, that, that Joseph had a whole lot of power. I mean, like, you know, Vice President Mike Pence kind of power, and nobody laughed, and I'm still not really sure why. But a steward is responsible, accountable, but owns none of it. We think about stewards, and, and I want you to, I know you're, you're having a hard time in your head, you're thinking, he's gonna pull out money, he's gonna ask us for more money, it's coming, right? No, really not. But I want you to think about stewardship, not just about how you uh, attend to the pennies and the dimes and the quarters and the dollars, but I want you to think about stewardship as how you take care of the gifts and resources that God has entrusted to you. So those gifts and uh, resources that are entrusted to you, they, they could be the house that you own, it could be the family that you're raising, it could be the career that you've been gifted with, um, it could be the church that you're a part of, the development of your faith, the friendships that you have, the extended family that you care about, right? Do you get the idea that the resources that we have are not just dollars and cents, but rather it is everything that we've been entrusted with? And we would agree that as stewards, we own none of it. As much as I'd love to tell my 13-year-old daughter exactly what to do and to own her, I don't. But I'm responsible for her. When we think about stewardship, we have to remind ourselves that we've been elevated by the master. But the God who's created and owns all of it has saw fit to trust us with some of it. We are stewards of what God's given. And that we are accountable for our actions. I kind of feel like in the news cycle over the last two weeks, there's some people in Hollywood that should be a little bit more accountable for their actions, right? Accountability is important. We don't own it, but we're responsible for it. And we're accountable for our actions if we don't take good care of it. And then lastly, we should appreciate what they hold in trust for the master. Should appreciate, I, you know, um, it's, it's all of those wonderful things about leave it better than you found it. Um, many of you have heard me say that I was a Boy Scout for about three months. It was uh, the time of Weeblos, right? I, I thought the uniform was like really cool. Uh, and so I joined. And then they made me go camping outside. And it was hot. And I was no longer a Weeblo after that. But that idea of leave it better than when you found it. That's really a stewardship piece. And you don't have to be a Boy Scout to leave it better than you found it. But how do we appreciate, do more than the minimum when we care for those things that God's made us responsible for? I was reading a friend's article lately uh, that talks about uh, the requirements of stewardship. And again, resist that desire to put dollar signs up here. Because I think the dollar signs, those are the easy things to do. It's easy to tell your money where to go. It's far different for us to be committed, consistent, and convinced about raising our family, about being ethical in our jobs, about caring for uh, the nest egg or uh, the retirement fund, or being involved in our grandchildren's lives. That stewardship requires, and I'm, I'm really proud of the uh, three C's here, so feel free to affirm me later. Alliteration's wonderful. It's a commitment. A steward is committed when they see the organization or the place or the family or the property uh, as that one place where they give where the best avenue will happen for making a difference. Committed, right? Committed to one place and the difference that it will make. 
Committed to time with your children, committed to time at school, committed to making a difference in your life and others. Not anywhere and everywhere, but right here in the place where you feel called. Committed. Uh, Being a good steward requires consistency. A steward is consistent when the gift of their time, talent, or finances is given the same way over time in a regular or predictable manner. How many of us grew up in environments where our parents loved us, we knew they were committed to us, but we never saw the consistency of their actions. They were so much more consistent in other places, whether it's at work or in the social circles. Consistency. Think about the power of stewarding by being consistent. And the third piece uh, in terms of requirements for stewardship is that you be convinced. You be convinced. Someone uh, this morning said that it's convicted. You gotta be convicted about the outcome. You gotta be convinced that spending time after time as a big brother or big sister or as a mentor to somebody in the field, that, it's, that you're convinced it's gonna make a difference. That it's not just willy-nilly, it's not just sporadic, it's not just strolling through a field, but you have been called to steward this little piece of the world. And that you're convinced that this is the way it should go. That you're committed to that piece of land, or um, sphere of influence, and that you are consistent in how you're going to give and invest of yourself so that others might see the outcomes that you are convinced will come. Do you see the three C's? I I really want to encourage you as you kind of examine and think about the little piece of the pie that God has made you responsible for, whether it's a cute little kid or whether it's um, caring for elderly parents, whether it's a new house that you've bought or whether it's a new job opportunity. How are you committed, consistent, and convinced of the investment that it'll make a difference in the world? Notice we haven't even started talking about money, right? When we talk about our priorities, our purpose, and our relationships, it's all about this. I honestly think that sometimes if I had to take a a church um, that that either had lots of money and no commitment, or lots of commitment and no money, I'd take the commitment over the money. That that, that ability to be committed and consistent and convinced, really what we're talking about is that passion that's willing to kind of bubble up for who we are for where we are and what God has called us to do. I would encourage you to think about the world around you. How uh, in your life has God called you? There we go. How has has, uh, God called you uh, to be a good steward of what's there? Because remember, we own none of it, but we're responsible for all of it. We're accountable for our actions. We've been elevated by the master. And we should leave it better than when we found it. Psalm 24, which was uh, in in the days of uh, King David, uh, would have been a praise song sung in the temple. Um, I kind of wonder what it would be like if it was, you know, Cameron and Josh singing, right? The, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants too, because God is the one who established it on the seas. God set it firmly on the waters. Psalm 24 goes on to say, who is this king of glory? Who is this one who trusted us with everything? This king of glory, he's the one that died on a cross for you. This king of glory is the one who entrusted you with a little piece of the world. This king of glory 
loves you, provides for you, and died for you. The challenge for this week, friends, is how do you handle it all with care when you approach every aspect of your life regarding consistency, being convinced, and being committed? Does that stewardship approach shift the change the way you live or not? I want to invite you to continue to tune in and to check in as we walk through um, our responsibilities, our relationships, our priorities, and our opportunity to make a difference right where we are. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.